0: Songs we often sing this time of year is "O Little Town of Bethlehem," and there's a line in that song that says, "The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, in in the town of Bethlehem that night." And it strikes me that that really is true. That town of Bethlehem, which is the home of David, the city of kings of Israel, in that night, heaven and earth were met in Bethlehem. God and humanity were met in Bethlehem, and certainly the hopes and fears of all of Israel that had come forward through the prophets were met in that place in that moment. And as I think about that, it reminds me that hopes and fears so often go together. The people of Israel were hoping for something. They had been waiting since the last prophet Malachi 400 years for God to do something to keep his promises Uh, The people in that night who had heard from angels were hoping and fearing something. They were hoping for this birth and that God was ready to answer all the questions that they had, that he was going to bring them salvation, that that the Messiah was going to be born. So they were hoping for good things, but, but the ones who heard from angels, they were also afraid because of the physical danger of childbirth in the ancient world. Fear for what was going to be of a child who claimed to be the Messiah because everyone else who claimed to be the Messiah ended up dead. So hopes and fears together, but but isn't it true that hopes and fears in the biggest moments of life tend to... Intersect When a baby is born, there are hopes about what this is going to do for this family and how it's going to change things and what God can do through that person through their years, but also fear, again, of childbirth, fear of all the things that can go wrong in childhood, fear of sickness, fear that they're going to live a really difficult life. Hopes and fears come together. They come together at a wedding ceremony too, right? Two people pledging themselves to one another, beginning something new, hoping about family and and what God's going to do in that relationship, and fear that maybe it just won't work out, that maybe things are going to go sour. Hopes and fears at a graduation of what is about to be, but fear that maybe it's not going to work out. Hopes and fears oftentimes go together, and they certainly did in Bethlehem that night. And and they do at christmas and that's what i want us to think about this christmas season are the hopes and fears that come together in jesus that intersected in bethlehem and intersect every time we celebrate the birth of jesus now for those people who had heard from angels and we read those stories in matthew chapter 1 and 2 and luke chapter 1 and 2 for every one of them there was some waiting involved in the whole situation because the angel came and said this is what's going to happen And then they just had to wait. And of course, Israel was waiting too. Now, whenever we celebrate Christmas, there's a certain amount of waiting that ho- that happens, right? I mean, I can remember as a kid, most of us can, just not being able to wait for Christmas morning. And that time that we're in right now between Thanksgiving and Christmas seems like it stretched out for an eternity and Christmas just was never going to come. And there were those moments that marked some time, uh, a Friday night when we put up a Christmas tree, you know, watching those Christmas specials back in the day when you actually had to sit in front of the TV at a certain time to see them, right, or you missed out completely. Or maybe a class party and then finally, finally Christmas Eve would come and would go to my grandmother's and have Christmas with her and one more sleepless night before Christmas Day. It just seemed like it would never come, but, but so much of life is waiting. Certainly around the Christmas season, but lots of times in life we We wait for a diagnosis. We wait to see if the treatment is going to help. We wait to find out if the counseling is actually going to do any good. We wait for someone to come home. We wait to go home. All those things are waiting. And waiting can be incredibly difficult because it usually involves some uncertainty. And what happens oftentimes is those hopes and fears end up becoming magnified in a time of waiting. And so the Christmas story is about all those things mixed together, and if ever there was someone who understood what waiting was all about, it's a man named Zechariah, and we find his story in Luke chapter 1. And in fact, we don't know much about Zechariah outside of Luke chapter 1, but maybe you remember his story. He's... He's from the priestly family, from the priestly tribe in a priestly family. And his lot was chosen to serve in the temple during a festival. And so he goes in the temple to do what priests do there. And in that moment, an angel appeared to him. And the angel had good news. The news was, you're going to have a son. You're going to call him John. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he's going to do great things. Now that all sounded awesome, except that... Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had been waiting a very long time. They'd been waiting for a child that never came, waiting as the years passed and they grew into middle age and what they would have called in that day old age, and still no child. And so Zechariah had a little bit of a problem embracing hope that this boy named John would be born. And so he said to the angel that he wanted a sign. And boy, did he get a sign. The angel said, you're not going to say another word, not one more word between this moment and the time that that child is born. And that's exactly what happened. Zechariah went home and I guess he wrote down everything that had happened so that Elizabeth would understand. And the waiting began. And he couldn't say anything and... My guess is there were a lot of hopes and fears tied up in that time of waiting when Zechariah could not speak. Hopes that God was on the move, that God had started something big and that his son John was going to be right at the center of it, pointing forward to God's Messiah, who we find out was his cousin Jesus, but also fears that maybe he got all this wrong. Maybe it wasn't going to happen. Hopes and fears as he waited, maybe wondering, am I even going to get to utter my son's name? Because right now I'm still not talking and he had to wait. And finally these things began to come to fruition and Elizabeth did become pregnant and the baby was born and it was a boy and, and Zechariah still could not speak. For eight days of what seemed like broken promises, Zechariah still could not speak after the baby was born until that eighth day when the time came for him to be circumcised. And in that ceremony that involved the whole family, they also named the child. So everyone says, are you going to name him Zechariah Junior? And Elizabeth said, no, we're going to call him John. Everybody said, what do you mean John? What kind of name is John? Nobody in your family's named John. And Zechariah wrote it down. His name is John. And in that moment, he could speak. And he could tell what the angel had told him to everyone in the room. And in fact, it was more than that. Zechariah Could sing, and we're going to hear his song in just a minute. But this is what Luke says in Luke chapter 1, verse 66. After Zechariah sort of laid all this out, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And to answer that question, What's this child going to be like? What's going on here? Zechariah did sing a song, and Scripture says he was filled with the Spirit of God and prophesied. So this song is not just a song, it's prophecy. Now there are some churches, some of you may have grown up in a church, where this song is sung at least once a month, and sometimes every Sunday called the Benedictus because of its Latin title, which was the first word in the song. It's all about praise. And this is what Zechariah said in that moment filled with the Holy Spirit, to answer the question, what's this child going to be like? Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. In other words, the time has come for salvation. These are the words of God. And the people of Israel needed salvation in that day. You talk about waiting. They had been waiting 400 years. And in that time, there is no king in the line of David on the throne in Jerusalem. There is a series of nations that come in and invade and they're in charge. And at present, it was Rome. This godless, amoral people who had come in and taken over their land. And they're just wondering, is God going to act. We've got all these promises from the prophets, one after another. Hopes bound up together with fears that God has just forgotten them, that He's ignoring them, that He doesn't care anymore. And Zechariah says, with the word of the God, word of the Lord speaking through him, that God has raised up one who is going to bring salvation to Israel. And the truth is, it was going to be bigger than that. Because God's promise from the beginning had been that Israel would be a blessing to all nations, and we're beginning to see the fulfillment of that prophecy, that the salvation would be bigger than Israel could even imagine. Verse 71, what does the salvation look like? Well, it's salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah said, God chose to deal with us in the form of a covenant. God said, I'm going to make you my people all the way back in Egypt. In slavery, God says, I'm going to make you my people and here's how you're going to serve me. And that's what the law was all about. And Israel messed it up over and over again. And at this point, they must have thought, well, we messed it up enough times that God just gave up on us. But Zechariah says, no, that God's covenant is still active and powerful. And he's about to renew it in the Messiah, in Jesus. And through that, God is going to give them a new way of relating to him. And that salvation is not going to look exactly like they expected. They expected a political leader to come in and throw off Rome, but it would be very different from that. And he's going to explain that a little further in a minute. But this is all about a relationship with God. And then he turns to his son, to John. And he says this in verse 76, and you, my child, will be called a prophet, a prophet of the most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. This kingdom was going to look different than they expected. And John was going to be integral to ushering in this new kingdom. John was going to be the one who stood up and said, God is on the move, a fresh wind is blowing, and it is time to prepare yourselves for that. It's time to repent of your sins. In other words, get ready to listen to God by repenting of what you've done wrong. Prepare your hearts for what God is doing. And He would introduce Jesus to the people. And part of this would all be a spiritual change in them as well. You see, God's promises were fulfilled, but they were fulfilled in ways that nobody expected. God was calling them to a relationship, not just to be a nation, but to be His own people In relationship with him because of forgiveness of sin. And John would be right at the heart of that, introducing Jesus. And he finishes the song this way Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the path of peace. It's a new day. A rising sun. And God is calling his people to relate to him in this new day in peace and forgiveness and ultimately eternal life. Now, as everyone hears that, that are standing around Zechariah that day, and now as we sort of overhear that again, what does it say to us? Well, let's first think about what it said to them. Part of what it said to them is, You've been waiting a long time. And you've been hoping for some stuff and you've been afraid of some stuff and that's all been bound up together. And you just might have thought that God had forgotten you. You might have thought that God had given up, that you'd done so many wrong things that God just said, okay, you know what? My promises, just forget them. All that's done. But the truth is, God has been at work the whole time. Now, you may not have seen it. You may not have expected that God was going to break in at this moment, but guess what? He is. And just because you've had to wait does not mean that God forgot you. And it doesn't mean that God wasn't at work. In fact, God's been at work the whole time. He had a plan and that plan was in place and God has been preparing for this moment. So the whole time when it seems like there was nothing happening, God was at work in all of that. And it speaks to us today. As we overhear Zechariah speaking to them, 2,000 years later, it says to us that even in the waiting. We can depend on God's salvation even in the midst of the wait. Even while it seems like everything is just dead, God can be at work in powerful ways, maybe in ways that we don't expect. So today, you may be waiting on God's salvation. You may be thinking, something's got to change here. Something's got to change in my family or in, in my life, in my relationship with God, or my health, or my job, or my church, or my friends, or something in the community, and you're just waiting on God to act, and it might seem like God has forgotten. Or maybe you think God's just not going to do anything. And your hopes are sort of faltering, and your fears are rising And in the midst of all this waiting, you just don't know what to do. Now, the truth is, God's salvation doesn't always look like what we expect. It didn't look that way for the people of Israel, for sure. And sometimes we want God's salvation to come in a certain form. We want to be healed of whatever's wrong with us physically. We want the relationship to be restored, just like it used to be. And the truth is, it may look different God's salvation was not a political uprising. God's salvation was a spiritual awakening, a change in the people, an offer of eternal life, more than they could have imagined, but different from what they expected. And God's salvation is not always, let me take away all your problems. In fact, it's usually not that way. And sometimes we have to admit that we're going to have to keep waiting. Sometimes God does some pretty amazing things. Sometimes there is healing. Sometimes there is restoration that we don't expect, maybe to better things than we were hoping for. Sometimes God works in miraculous ways, and sometimes He doesn't. And we have to accept that there's going to be more waiting. And in fact, the waiting may last the rest of our lives. And God is only going to bring restoration God's only going to bring healing in eternity. And that's really hard to accept. But sometimes that's God's answer. And so we can depend on God's salvation even as we wait. And so my encouragement to you as we open this Christmas season together is that, you know what, this season reminds us that that life is sometimes about a lot of waiting. But in the wait, when you're hoping and and asking and maybe even pleading for God to do something, for God to bring salvation, wait in faith. Because the truth that we see in Scripture, not just in Zechariah's story, but over and over, is that God has not forgotten his people. And that even in the midst of the waiting, you can depend on God's salvation. Let's pray together. God, we find it really hard to wait sometimes. And life is sometimes filled with a whole lot of waiting. And our hopes and fears get bound up and all of that. And God, it's almost more than we can handle. But we pray that you'll be present and that you'll show your presence to us even in the midst of the wait. So God, be at work. Strengthen us. Encourage us to wait on you. And we pray that, pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.